0: पीछे नहीं छूटी वो गलियां जिससे अभी तक गुजर रहे हैं आखिरी बार गुजरे थे तब वो दीवानापन नहीं था पीछे नहीं छूटी वो गलियां जिससे अभी तक गुजर रहे हैं बार गुजरे थे तब वो पन नहीं था लेकिन घड़ी की सुइयां तो अभी तक वहीं पर टिकी हुई है लेकिन घड़ी की सुइयां तो अभी तक वहीं पर टिकी हुई है शायद उनका भी आगे जाने का मन नहीं था शायद उनका भी आगे जाने का मन नहीं था,
1: <गगगा> था।
2: The closer we got to her, the more the details began to surface. This was quite an unusual sight on a rather usual evening at IJM. At first glance, we noticed she was a part of the security at the basement. She was prancing along her way, humming what sounded like a song in Telugu tossing a scale around. Flowers adorned her hair. Her nails appeared to be freshly painted. Eyes outlined with coal, pronouncing her expressions. Anklets tracing her footsteps and a strong sense of attar, foreboding her arrival as the winds gushed past us. That evening, ironically, even the uniform couldn't stop her from standing out. Auntie Maple Grocery Store Yakkada? We asked. She pointed the way out with the scale rather dramatically, flashed at us a wide smile, and continued to prance about. Juxtaposing this visual with the rather dull and slow paced evening at the basement left us wondering who got her smiling like that? Like.
0: Hello everyone. Coming up next is Radio Wada's brand new segment, Eye Opener. In this segment, we will have discussions with different people revolving around a certain topic and get their insights from it. Today we have with us Mrs. Nehal Zoshi, the founder of Design Nonstop. And this interview is taken by Ashwin Majli and Vyom She. Let's listen to it.
3: Okay. Uh, So, first question to you would be how did you come across what you want to do? As in, you were a person who used to stay in Nashik and uh, according to the demographic, not very out mm-hmm. there. So, how did you come across NID and how did you come to choose NID?
4: Okay. So, unlike many students, I have a lot of background in Art and Architecture. Okay. So, my mother is a painter, okay. so there was already a creative gene in our family. Mm which uh, obviously made me uh, make choices which were inclined towards design. So I had seen her paint uh, and that interest flowed in me. Uh, also one of my aunts used to study architecture in Nasik and she would stay with us. So we, ha- I had seen her work as well as a school going uh, kid and that fascinated me a lot. Hmm. I was always interested in physics and maths okay. along with art. So I actually found that architecture is giving me that uh, place to play with all these facets. Right. So that is how I actually got inclined towards doing architecture okay. when I was very young um, probably must have been in 6th or 7th standard. Huh. So since then I had, knew, I had known that I want to do architecture. Right. And uh, while studying architecture I also figured that my interests lie more in the design faculty within architecture also. Hmm. Um, so that is where I started toying with this idea of what, how can I pursue my interest in my further education. Okay. So I did know about NID, I did know about IDC uh, hmm. and in those days these were the only couple of options. Right. Yes. And then I happened to visit NID while I was doing my thesis in uh, architecture which was about uh, craft sector. Huh. So I knew that uh, NID does a lot for the crafts. Right. So then, I had visited for my research. I had visited the KMC, mm-hmm. and I was mighty impressed with the entire mm-hmm. campus. So that choice came very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. That's how I turned towards design.
3: But still, a switch from architecture to design.
4: Uh, but if you see, you no know, industrial design as a faculty also has begun from architects. Right. The first uh, designers uh, have been architects yes, because yes, yes, yes. they were they were the most fit people to understand uh, population. And that is how when industries began to manufacture products, the first kind of people or first set of people who were equipped to handle um, expectations of larger populations were architects. Okay. So that way the professional stream of design has begun with architects. Huh. So I don't find it as a as a shift from architecture.
3: Okay. You you think it complements?
4: It complements. It's quite in line with Uh, The profession.
3: And was was that also the opinion of that day? Like, as every time there is, there must be a certain opinion, a certain thing about it outside. Like, Mm -hmm. you switching from architecture to design for you as Mm -hmm. a person and for others as the industry, how was it looked at?
4: Um, I I don't think there was a particular opinion. Hmm. Because even in NID while doing masters, the criteria was that either you could have been an architect or huh. an engineer. So oh. it was well, well accepted that you come from some kind of a design background through okay. architecture.
3: Okay, okay, okay. Nice. And so this, this this particular dilemma that I think Jung will also agree with me is that we uh, all face this certain thing that in certain times of life we want certain mm-hmm. things and again we have this kind of insecurity that we might not be able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. again or um, what if what something that we want right now is mm-hmm. not something that we want tomorrow mm-hmm. so what is what is your thought about that what is your attitude about that do you do you have do you think like that
4: absolutely hmm. see at every stage of life you have a different maturity level hmm. the way you see the world is from your own bank of experiences right and that keeps evolving sometimes you would have set out to do something and after going halfway through you would realize that Uh, probably this is not what I wanted to do. But that's life. That's absolutely how we grow. So we learn from those mistakes and we move on. So even if those goals change, uh, you find a reason why that that goal changed for Mm -hmm. you. And you're constantly gaining more and more experiences, meeting newer people, listening to their ideas. So those influences are always going to be there. And we are always going to change our opinions. Otherwise, if we are hell-bent on um, uh, sticking to what we had decided, even if it is not working for us, how will we be happy? And the natural instinct of people is to be happy. So, obviously these goals will change, these opinions will change, Mm. and uh, we must accept them.
3: But you have never felt um, any kind of regret? Or any kind of like I understand it's 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 a way you go. It's a journey that you have, and uh, many yeah. times I believe when you leave something, you leave something for good. Mm-hmm. It does it d- does not leave you just like that. It gives you something, and then you take that forward, do mm-hmm. something else, and that's how a lot of innovation happens. Is yeah. what I believe. Yeah. But do you have regrets about some things, some decisions that you took early on? Uh,
4: not really. So uh, also. Mm. Initially, they might feel like regrets, but in hindsight, you think uh, what decision you made was actually good. Hmm. So when, uh, like you were saying, when I left architecture, so to say, and uh, started pursuing product design, there were a lot of questions from my family, not wow. my immediate family,
5: hmm.
4: but my friends or distant families that what are you really doing?
5: Hmm.
4: How does that? Because they did not know what my focus is. Right. Uh, but... At that point it did not really bother me. Hmm. When I uh, passed out of NID, hmm. I um, had a very different view of looking at architecture. Okay. So even though there was that bit of pestering behind me that what is it that you really want to do in first place, architecture is such a big course, you've spent five years now you're spending another two and a half year course which is also a very large masters course. Yeah. So when will you really start earning? <laughs> that those are the <laughs> questions that you will face, and how much are you going to spend just on education? Right. So at some points, maybe I felt the pressure, not the regret though. Ha. But uh, when I passed out of NID, or when even when I was learning in NID, I had this new found approach towards design and architecture as well.
0: One plus one. One plus one. Hero बस फू करने में नहीं है ऐसा 60 ml मेजर करके बर्फ बर्फ डाल के ऑन द रॉक्स पूरा टेक 2 हीरो गिरी बस फू करने में नहीं है ऐसा पेपर पे जीभ बगा के एकदम टेक 3 हीरो बस फू करने में नहीं है उस को जमा करने में खरीदने के लिए है लेकिन उसे स्टोर करने के लिए 120 का डबा नहीं सतर्क बने सिगरेट फूके नहीं रखे हरी सिगरेट म्यूजियम देखने को मिलेगा फूकने को नहीं
5: उम्र का ये ताना वाना न पाए रे ज़बान पे जो मोह माया नमक लगाए रे के देखे न वाले न जाने न दाए दे दिशा हरण क्या
6: Harshal
1: and this is Gayatri.
6: Welcome to Radio Adha's newest segment, Engage, where we discuss and get deeper into apparently invisible products from our daily life. Today we have Vaishali and the product we are talking about is the safety pin.
2: Hello,
1: I'm Vaishali from 2020 TV. It's interesting to start with the safety pin, a product that was the perfect version of itself on the very first try. And a product so simple, yet so convenient to use, so commonly used that it has a day of its own. Yes, there exists an international safety pin day. It's on April 10th. So safety pin has always uh,
6: been like something which is important, like for us. But like the funny thing is that we don't manage to find safety pins when we actually need them. And one of the things which I found while doing this research was that safety pin is like uh, was more used in past but nowadays because of the invention of things like velcros push buttons it's like the use of safety pin is much reduced even you know the disposable diapers so earlier they used to use safety pin to put diapers on babies but now because of disposable diaper even like the sale of safety pin has reduced.
7: Mm-hmm. See, but is this a oh, true in an Indian context as well? Because I, as far as I know, I've not heard of people using safety pins in diapers before. And even in India, they used to use cloth pieces. Yeah. So I don't know how that affects uh, the sale of safety pins in India. Hmm. Even today, safety pins majority majority major majority of safety pins in India is used by women. I am assuming. Yeah, yeah. And it is used for say daily I don't know daily tasks as well as maybe draping the sari or like you know putting up close pieces of cloth, cloth together mm-hmm. and finding a safety pin is always hard for me but whenever I go to my mom or grandmom they have it on the bangle or the mangal sutra yeah, so it's always there that, yeah. so I think when we look at India it's very different
1: yeah. in
7: terms of sale and in terms of how it has evolved
1: Hmm. the first wow moment for me when it came to using safety pin in an unconventional way is usually when your blouse or skirt is like loose when you're small like when you're younger like tailors don't really stitch to your size and yeah. uh, they use the safety pin to create a new loop on the blouse hmm. and you actually fasten the hook on it and uh Maybe this was a wow moment for me when because I was like very young and I thought that okay this is a genius way of using this product, but that still has that you know uh, I still have that enthusiasm when it comes to you know when people use safety pins not to join two things when it's just like an additional attachment to say carrying something or uh, i've seen many people use that big safety pin to carry around keys right. like uh, since like women's clothes don't have pockets yeah. so like my, my mother also does this she attaches just keys to safety pins and then mm-hmm. she hangs safety pins on her yeah. clothes
6: nowadays it's a fashion trend also not to wear a safety pin as a <laughs> earring
7: I mean, yeah. I mean,
1: like, there are many ironies when it comes to safety pins. Like, now that you're speaking about, like, fashion accessories. And, yes, luxury brands these days, like, create jewelry inspired from safety pins for the so-called privileged class. But all safety pins are also known to be, you know... Um, exhibited and like shown by all marginalized communities as a, a mark of protest, like victims of racism or hate crimes. Yeah. All of them have uh, you know adorned their clothes with safety pins. They have a lot of accessories with like excessive amount of safety pins mm. to is it's like rebellious in a way. Yeah.
7: Mm. I'll backtrack a little bit and I was talking about unconventional uses of safety pins I don't we associate safety pins a lot with like textiles or dressing up or cosmetic or makeup in that zone I mean but uh, we don't end up thinking about how much we use it in school actually
6: yeah like uh, we, we remember when we were in the yeah. like our like they used to put like that hanky on our
7: yeah, since sure, I'm also, a safety pin. because I grew up on my grandmother and whenever I used to do art and craft provided, I'm yeah. in mean design college, I started from art and craft somewhere, hmm. I always used to use her safety pin to use my favicol because obviously we all use our favicol caps. Oh, yeah. So, it start, I think for me, the familiarity of safety pin mm-hmm. stems from there rather than using it on clothes uh, because that's the first thing where you are like, oh, this is an interesting way to use this yeah. and you feel smart.
1: Safety pins yeah. are, like, a standard in all of these 5-Minute Crafts videos. Like, yeah. t- top 10 hacks to organize your... Yeah. Uh, co- it's just a 5-Minute Crafts craft standard. Yeah.
6: Actually, safety pins have been, like, you know... They, they say, like, it was invented, like, recently. Who was that person who invented safety pins? It was
1: William Hunt. Yeah. Back so, in 1849.
6: Yeah. So, they say that William Hunt invented safety pin, but actually it was... Like something similar to safety pin was always there and since like Roman time it was always there. Mm -hmm. So, Roman people used to drape their clothes and during that while draping, they used to use that safety pin.
0: He is very peculiar. Peculiar as in Jack Sparrow kind of peculiar. You can probably pick him out of the thickest of the crowds with your naked eye. His body making a concave arc while standing still and more surprisingly even while walking. His stomach winning the race against the chest. Slender hands running stiff from his oversized sleeves but still swinging freely by his sides as free as the laugh he has. Try approaching him sometime. As you go closer, you'll notice. His translucent curly hair running down the cheekbones. You'll notice his sling back swinging across from his right shoulder to the left. What all could be in this bag? You'll find his days in there. No, like literal days in there. He'll unfold his days in front of you, in a horizontal manner. You'll see bold use of colors, rapid yet characteristic lines drawn wherever the mind wished. You won't need any explanation for what is being seen, nor will he provide you. You'll just be staring in awe as you see the days passing in some moments. Turn around, but don't be amazed. He'll be there, his glasses half-worn across his nose, his pupil periodically moving up and down between you and his paper, and that's when you'll know you're being sketched.
3: Sub sub. Sup sup. Sup, sup.
4: Mummy, mummy. soup, soup. No soup, soup. Only water.
3: Talking about what people have to say about it, and obviously, we are designers, and there's only a limit until we, you know, think yeah. about what people say or opinions matter to us. But haven't you faced uh, dilemmas where you're like, when someone just comes up to you and is like, What are you doing? Why are you doing it? um, There's a certain level of, you know, there's a lot of confusion about some things in certain Mm. fields. For example, right now, how everyone wants to do a certain thing, a certain industry, and that's, you know, stereotype. Did something like that happen with you? Did people bother you a lot or did someone look down upon you, things like that?
4: It did happen when I chose to leave my corporate job. Hmm because it was a well-paying job hmm. uh, In fact I was enjoying the job also okay. but still uh, a corporate has its own limitations right So uh, even if I was doing exciting work, there was uh, there was a pause to it. Hmm. It was go it was not going to be um, creatively engaging me after a point hmm, 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 So hmm. that is the point when I thought it's a good position I am at. To depart from this place uh-huh. and that is when I had I always wanted to have a studio of my own because uh, I'm sure you could understand that as a creative person you always love variety work.
3: definitely you yeah.
4: can't work in the same stream yeah, over yeah, yeah. and over yeah. again so that was my motivation behind uh, leaving the corporate job mm-hmm. and uh, starting something on my own mm. the point when I left I did not know what really uh, I would do mm. So I was dabbling my hands everywhere that I could and it was very natural to me to go back to my hometown where uh, ours was the first studio for that matter which has set up like a multidisciplinary design studio. Really? Yes. So that's, I mean not many people were aware of what we could do and uh, at that time I think a lot of people questioned my decision. Hmm that what are you doing, how are you going to survive, what kind of money are you making.
5: Uh.
4: And uh, yes, at that time I also used to feel very insecure that I really don't know that will Mm. I be able to make that kind of money. But then I started thinking is that my aim? Is that what motivates me? So I have done projects which are for free, which are for NGOs, which I felt for, which I felt for the cause and uh, the reward that I was getting was sheer pleasure of creativity. And that is what motivated me. And fortunately, I have a business partner who has a similar understanding and who is equally motivated by the challenge of the project itself. So we have set our own goals and which probably do not align with what success is looked at for many people. So our definition of success does not align with them. So even 10 years down the line when we have set up the studio, we still are asked the same questions. What are you doing in Nashik? Why are you in a small city? Why don't you practice in Pune? Why don't you practice in Mumbai? Uh, but these cities are really saturated.
3: Right, right. right. This, yeah. this, this, this is actually an interesting uh, thing that you told us. Why, like, when you see people like this, uh, when you come across people who ask you to, you know, expand your horizons, go to bigger places, do better things, mm-hmm. unquote, unquote, better yeah. is another perception. But yeah, things like those... What do you see to them? And even like um,
0: something that I all the designers probably would relate, like mm-hmm. uh, we as designers have diverse opinions and very strong yes. philosophies as we discussed today even for the form, ongoing form of those. Yes. It's like uh, everyone has their own opinion and everyone tries to prove their opinion, right which is quite natural. Nice mm-hmm. So that's where the point of validation comes in, yeah. mm-hmm. as in uh, your work is being perceived by someone else whose upbringing experiences are different mm-hmm. and that might tend to affect, uh, affect how you are working and affect your confidence, like mm-hmm. uh, if you could you know, share any anecdotes where this has happened and you have overcome it or anything.
4: Um, see the ultimate validation comes from the user for any design. Mm. So no matter how much uh, we idealize mm. a design should work in a certain way, unless it is accepted by the user, it does not see success. So you may not always get validation from your peers or from the critiques within the fraternity but you would have taken a decision or you would have taken a design decision based on your finding uh, from your observations of the user and if the user is validated there is no bigger validation than that. Hmm.
0: Right, while going through the (coughs) process of design, Hmm. like there can be a yes or no kind of thing like a person is judging our work and saying something. I think like either they might be right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So how how do you say we judge as in our work without keeping a bias in our heads that someone has said something about this already. Like mm-hmm. we need to start with a clean slate कि किसी कुछ bola we don't know and then uh, is this right what I'm doing or should I consider what he said? So how okay. do, how do you measure that? Uh, the the righteousness of the statement.
4: So for that, I think uh, in the initial stages of design, no, you need to define the goals of the design. Hmm. What is it that you have set out to achieve through this design? Hmm. And sometimes uh, you will not be able to achieve the fullest because there will be there will always be constraints. Yeah. So sometimes there are manufacturing constraints. Sometimes there are uh, financial constraints, and you have to work within those. So, at times, see, why are we designing uh, so many products all the time and why are we redesigning so many products over and over again? Because even the user evolves. So, a decision that you would have made would have been valid for that time and place. Hmm. Which is probably judged later when the situations have changed. So, then you have to really decide that how much you should pay attention to or how much you should give importance to that level of uh, criticism or that kind of uh, opinions. Uh, That is when the project is probably over but when the projects are running a lot of times uh, if I am working for an industry they will have their set of uh, convictions, they know their customer better. And a lot of times we as designers feel that we also know their customers better but it is always good to validate our understanding with the client's understanding or with the industry's understanding Mm. and we should keep that open mind for that change of opinion.
2: ऐसा क्या है जो हर जगह दिखता तो नहीं लेकिन चाहिए तो होता है सुकून प्यार कॉमन सेंस नहीं यार वो तो सब जगह होता है अब चाहिए कि नहीं वो पर्सनल जजमेंट पे है जवाब है स्कूटर अपने ऊपर बैठने देती है तीन-तीन बम्स तुम्हारे हाथों में हाथ लेकर गुजरती है तुम्हारे कुछ निशान अपने ऊपर भी लेती है ऐसी दिलदार चीज बेगम फिकर ना करो, ये तमन्ना कोई हम करेंगे. ऋषि स्कूटर रेंटल सर्विस, बेगम की तरह, कहीं भी, कभी भी. One press, one press.
1: William Hunt was a guy that designed these kind of, you know, knives and rifles and all of these dangerous equipment. So, uh, I read somewhere that he also uh, applied for a patent on a walking device, which is that suction cup shoes. It's a very, like, funny thing that we see on James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah, even
6: I read about that. But does it work? I
1: I don't (laughs) think so. The patent was not granted or something like that. But... It just seems interesting to me, a product like a safety pin Mm -hmm. coming from a guy that just invented knives and rifles and needles his whole life.
6: Yeah. But you know, like, Hunt's story is also very interesting, like, as he has been doing, like, he he's said to have, like, many, many inventions and many of them are very successful, like this, uh, sewing machine invention, it is quite, it was quite successful. Apart from that, he made those patents on gun as well. And there were many such patents. But he never managed to gain a lot of money from it. Because he never started a business out of it on his own. He just sold those patents quickly and managed to get some money out of it.
1: So the patent for the sewing So not the sewing machine, I'm sorry. The patent for the safety pin itself was... So so, uh, the... Patent for the safety pin was sold, I read, for about $400, which is about, say, $12,000 today, which is not a lot. We know of, you know, more very specific products that are not that versatile, that have patents worth, like, half a million rupees. And uh, the story goes that, at least from what I read, that uh, Hunt invented this Product to clear off a debt of fifteen dollars that he had with a yeah. friend, I and think he
6: ended up having a good profit. <laughs>
1: and uh, safety pins are mandated to be in every first aid kit, hmm. and for oh, like, it? yes, it's a new mandate that has been uh, released by World Health Organization oh. that every first aid kit must have safety pin. I find this quite weird. I'll tell you why because I also came across an article that uh, said that there are about two million cases in hospitals of safety pin ingestion where people end yeah. up swallowing safety pins. And interestingly, only one percent of these cases the safety pin actually like pierces an internal organ. So yeah. most of the times it's like harmless; it just like passes through yeah. poop or. It, it's like taken yeah. out by a regular endoscopy procedure.
6: Yeah.
1: Earlier you were talking
6: about some poem which is on safety pin. Can you talk more about it? It's not a
1: that? poem on safety pin. It's like there are uh, like many references of you know, small products like these hmm. in literature. So many like poets, authors. Mm-hmm they like, give emphasis on all of these small products to maybe enhance their peace and safety pin makes a cut most of their times. Mm. Uh, so there is this poem by Joanne Murray named Her Head and it's about this like drought-stricken village mm. in Africa, in, in South Africa to be specific. And the whole uh, poem is kind of a very like sad and tragic theme where they talk about... Uh, Like a drought that has affected the whole village The children are dying Like vests of women are not able to produce milk Because women are dehydrated Spoiled vegetables, goats gaunting, shattered homes And this is the theme of the whole poem Uh, And each stanza goes So this is happening But the woman carries water on her head and this is happening, the woman carries water on her head. And there's this one stanza goes, This woman who girds her with safety pins, this woman carries water on her head. Mm. So it's like a draught themed and even the pot in which she's carrying water, even that product didn't mm. get a mention. Yeah. But the safety pin did. And it's a reference to how tribal women in South Africa like make their own mm. jewellery with safety pins yeah. and that somehow seemed like mm-hmm. an important thing to mention yeah. in the middle of such a tragic story. Mm.
6: That's it guys, thank you for mm. being here. See you in the next episode of Engage.
8: Ready sir, ok dosa
9: get dosa drink. I will cook get a kare Ready sir, I'll get a meal. I won't get a meal anymore, I'll get a little bit faster. What
8: do you get here? I
9: don't know, I'll get the line and run away from the line. Then I'll get back to the food.
8: क्या हुआ यार भूख खत्म हो गया खाना
9: आह फ्रेश कॉमेडी भूख लगा यार मैं मील के लिए आया था और जरा देख रहा हूं खाना ही
10: नहीं बचा
8: यार मुझे चाहिए यार बहुत भूख लग रही है अब ये लोग से तो है लो किधर जाना है बता दो
10: मेरा खाना हो गया कर्ड राइस साडी पुलिस 30
8: रूम में काम करते मैं को बुलाता क्यों नहीं पता खाना कब खत्म
10: if बार जब मैं कैंटीन जाकर लाइन में खड़ा होगा, तब मैं मेरी बारी आने पर मैं अन्ना से पूछ लूँगा, अन्ना कर रहे of a little bit 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 of a little
8: bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little
9: bit of a little चलते
8: but we हमारा पुराना मेज क्लीन करके ये लोग पुराना मेस्क को वापस ले सकता है और नाइट भी भाई पता है अभी आधी रात में इतना भूख लगता है कुछ नहीं होता यार फ्लैट में
9: तब तो
10: एनर्जी भी नहीं बचता कि खुद बना के खा
8: लेंगे
10: ओह
8: हां नाइट पता कितना सही common room? It
9: peak 105?
10: Yes, yeah. What was it for eating there? Big pasta, omelette, sunrise. Sunrise? Sunrise, sunrise, it's <laughs> sunny side. That's <laughs> right, right? Now we eat Maggi in the night.
8: And we only में Maggi is <laughs> in If you sleep in the you're there too. to right before. It was a nice break time for us, man.
9: अगर कम पैसा है तभी भी कोई प्रॉब्लम नहीं होता था <laughs> सस्ते में चाय सैंडविच मैगी सब कुछ मिलता था छोटे और बड़े अपरेट के लिए सब
8: डैम मेरे को भी चाहिए ये सब, <laughs>
1: सब।
9: उधर
10: कौन खाना बनाता था
8: मेरे को नहीं पता ब्रो मेरे को नहीं पता ये <laughs> क्या पूछ तू <रहे> <laughs> ऐसे सवाल यहां नहीं पूछ
9: <laughs> but sometime after, हम भी कुक करने लगे <laughs>
8: और इंटरेक्शंस भी हो रहा था ब्रो हमेशा सीनियर्स बालकनी में थे हमारा इंटरेक्शंस लेने के लिए
9: ओहो हो सारी यादें नहीं भाई वो दो हफ्ते भी नहीं टिका ऐसे क्यों पता नहीं यार एक दिन सैकल ग्रुप में एक मैसेज आया तब से हम लोग रात को भूखे ही सोते
8: हैं <laughs> में रहने के लिए कुछ है, है?
9: हाँ, हाँ
8: भाई भाई। <laughs> कोई ना हो जाएगा
10: I ग्रिफिन या to से पूछ लेता हूं कि अगर वो लोग आ रहे हैं या हमें हमें उनका स्कूटर दे सकते हैं
8: जल्दी हम पास में ही है पर हम लोग अन्ना तो बहुत टाइम लेते हैं सर्व करने के लिए